the way that we heal attachment wounds is through connection. And you know, uh, that's one of the beauties of the 12-step program. People go in, they're scared to death. They feel like they are, you know, horrible humans, that they messed up their life. They go into a room for the first time. They tell people about them. And at the end, they people give them their phone number and they say, give me a call, right? Welcome back, everyone, to That Christian in Recovery podcast. I'm your host, Vernon L., and this is that podcast where we talk about life's problems, and we also talk about the solution to those problems. But if we don't know the solution, we talk about our role in the problem, because I do believe that everyone is recovering from something. perspective of um people say they have a problem with higher power and alcohol has a higher power and i was like that is really a great insight so thanks for posting that man i appreciate you looking at it man um i like to start each episode off with just a question man and, you know <laughs> excuse me buddy and um uh, because i believe everyone is recovered from something Troy. what do you think that you are recovered uh, sex addiction, okay. anger. Well, not anger per se, uh, rage. Uh, anger is an emotion. Right. Uh, tell us, for the listeners who don't know you, man, you know, like I said, I've been reading your bio, and I couldn't wait to get you on. For the listeners who don't know you, tell that's a bring them up to speed of who you are. Well, my name's Troy Love. Uh, that really is my last name. I was uh, also born on Valentine's Day. So, uh, Think about the the way that might uh, the statistics of that. I was adopted at birth, and um, the family that I that adopted me they were uh, very loving, but there was also a lot of problems going on in that home. Uh, my dad had some of his own issues that he had not resolved, and uh, he took them out on my mom, and then my mom would take those out on me and my siblings. So that was a challenge um, growing up with that. And then when I was about, when I was in junior high, I was bullied a lot. And uh, I was a scrawny little kid, so teeny and not good at a whole lot of sports. And so I was bullied a lot. And uh, so when I was about 14, I stumbled into, well, they didn't have porn really back then. I mean, they did, but it wasn't on the internet yet. So, but I did st- uh, fall into masturbation and um, couldn't stop doing that. And uh, then when the internet came around, I quickly became addicted to that. And I realized that this is going to destroy my life. So, I, at the same time, I was going to school to become a therapist as a social worker. And my counts, my professor told me that if I wanted to be a good social worker, I really needed to go do my own therapy. 
And so I did. And I started to go work on some things. And then I moved to the middle of nowhere in Arizona where they didn't have a whole lot of therapists. And so I tried to start putting what I was learning together and created a model that I now use today to help other people who are trying to recover and help them understand the foundations of why we're addicted and how we can help turn to our healing sources to heal that so that we don't have to deal with that for the rest of our lives. The, the, what do you believe is the core root? You saw the foundation of addiction to, based on your experience and knowledge, what do you think the core of addiction comes from? Uh, I call them attachment wounds. So as humans, we're wired to be connected biologically, spiritually, neurologically, emotionally, sexually, we are wired to be connected to each other. And if something happens that breaks those connections or damages those, then that will have profound impact on our lives. And then we will find ways to try and numb the pain. Mm. A lot of times we don't even realize that those wounds were happening when we we're kids because we didn't know any better, but like loss, rejection, neglect, abandonment, betrayal, abuse, those kind of things. You don't even realize that those are happening, but the wounds are happening to us. And then as we become teenagers, early adults, we quickly find our drug of choice to try and numb that pain until we realize if I could turn to a place to help heal that wound, I wouldn't have to numb it anymore. Right. Right. And one one thing they talk about in, in recovery, we talk about how a disease manifests itself in different areas. So, Troy, I was putting the drugs there. And a lot of times, you know, we can attach to different things. Am I, am I following you right? Absolutely. Yeah. So, I, because, you know, an addict is an addict is an addict, and we will switch our, our, drug of choice to whatever, if we aren't dealing with the underlying issue, we're just finding another way to numb it. Right, right. We can get addicted to, you know, food, working <laughs> out, attachment with um, different people. We can, can a person become, can we become addicted to a person? You can become very dependent on a person. Okay. Um, it, you can look at that person and think that they are everything for you which there's a lot of problems with that. If, you know, if the, the person's not going to show up perfectly in your life because they're human. And so if you are, like as children, we're obviously dependent on our parents to take care of us. But as we start to grow into adulthood, we need to learn how to be more what we call interdependent. So we are still dependent in this world on each other. We are, we need each other to help us be successful, but I can't put all of my responsibility of my life on somebody else. That's not going to work out really well for either of us. Yeah. 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 That sounds good. Sure. I'll recover from that massive anxiety that takes place. I'm talking about so much, man. I'll be telling (laughs) people, I sound 56 years old. Any given day, I can act like a child. Absolutely, man. These those those wounds lead us to react the way we would when we were a kid because they hurt. Yeah, yeah. How do what are some of the methods you use to help people heal from? I guess is that part of that adult child syndrome. Some people have that. Okay. Uh, 
So the the model that I work with is we have these attachment wounds. And so the first step, it's kind of like the first step and first step in the 12 steps is becoming aware that there's an issue, right? So the first step in healing is understanding, well, I have an attachment wound. I probably have more than an attachment wound. And I describe it like they're like sunburns. So if you've ever had a sunburn or you've ever hurt your shoulder, cut yourself, like I always end up hurting myself and I always seem to bump up into the walls all the time when I do that. But when these wounds are here, we try to put barriers around us so that nobody bumps up into us. So we don't keep bumping into that wound and that between ourselves and other people, hoping that they will not bump up against our wounds. But you can't go through life without having people bump up into your wounds. So there's got to be a different way because what that will do is just isolate us, make us feel like we're alone and will not create a healing environment for those wounds. So that's the first part is identifying, oh, I do have them. And then the second is, well, what have you come to believe about yourself because of those? So my primary wounds are rejection and abandonment. And as I was growing up, my primary core belief was I'm not enough. I'm not wanted. There's something seriously wrong with me. And that became the operating system that ran my life. And so every time that I experienced rejection, my brain would use that as another evidence, evidence that, oh, see, that really just proves that you're not enough. Oh, that really proves that you're not wanted, those kind of things. So understanding that that's the dynamic and then beginning to start to challenge that and to begin to ask some questions from a place of truth, because those core beliefs are not truthful, right? Mm -hmm. One of the things that a lot of people think is like, well, if I could just be perfect enough, then no one would reject me. No one would abandon me. No one would abuse me. And I'm like, you know, the son of God was perfect and he has all six wounds. So that logic's not going to work. So we got to find another way. We need to turn to our higher power as a way of help healing these wounds rather than just trying to numb up. Um. So you got you got people with these these arms and beginning to tour a relationship. How the, the dynamics of that? I mean, you know, so much going on. That how do you heal from that? Like what you're saying, and you you're in a relationship that's that's basically ignited, if you will. <laughs> yeah, beautiful. So when we first fall in love with someone, there's like this magical anesthesia that washes over both of us and we feel like wow this is going to be the best and even if we're bumping up against each other's wounds it doesn't hurt doesn't feel bad because we just are in that magical moment but eventually that anesthesia is going to wear off and now we got two people who have wounds and i'm going to bump up against yours and you are going to bump up against mine do we do it on purpose most of the time no but we do and so we, when we do, we, we will go into the fight or flight response. I will either pull away because it's scary or I'm going to fight back. And if, if, and my partner's probably going to do the same thing. They're either going to fight back or they're going to pull away. And yeah. so at that dynamic, like, well, until think about a fight that they've recently had 
And then I have them think about, well, what wounds got hit for you? And then what wounds got hit for your partner? And about 90% of the time, it's the same wound that got hit. And so it's like, wow, you're hurting like I'm hurting. You're suffering like I'm suffering. This is not about what happened with the toothpaste. This is about stuff that's happened your whole life. And we keep playing these patterns out. And when they can connect with that, they can have compassion for each other. They can own what they did. um, And they can have love for each other. Like they can have empathy and then they don't have to fight. Right. Like, uh, you know, I'm quite sure you're familiar with the 12 steps. And, uh, and I tell people all the time, you know, I'm speaking or whatever. All my relationships, Troy, all up from the neighbors to the coworkers to children, my wife, all those relationships that I have improved when I started working on me. But when I started doing the step, yeah, yeah, yeah. Saying, I know you talk about that self love. Or uh, do you, is that a big role in our relationship, learning how to love ourselves first? Well, the first commandment is to love God like you love your neighbor as you love yourself, right? So a lot of people think the first two are really important. You got to love God and you've got to love your neighbor, but they forget that he also said you got to love yourself. And a lot of people are worried that if they love themselves, they're going to become a narcissist. And that's not what we're talking about. Uh, we're talking about being able to offer ourselves the same level of grace that we would want to offer the ones that we love and to be kind to ourselves and to not judge ourselves and not beat ourselves up and not reject ourselves or neglect ourselves or abandon ourselves, but to be able to provide a place where we, we can do our own care so that we can actually show up and serve the way that we were born to serve. So that's yeah. that's what self-love means to me. It doesn't mean be selfish and, right. and think that the world revolves around me. It's what can I do to take care of myself so I can show up and be the human I want to be for the people I love. Right. What are some of those examples for loving yourself? One of the biggest ones is uh, a lot of people think it's stupid, but those self-affirmation to be able to say, I'm enough, that I matter. That uh, this is a Christian podcast, so I, you know, to say God loves me, uh, yeah. I'm loved. God gave me talents and abilities that I can use to bless the world, and sometimes those affirmations don't feel sincere for some yeah. people. They feel like uh, that's just not, it's not accurate, and that's okay. Um, mm-hmm. So we, there's some ways to deal with that, but to be able to even hold on to the spirit of that. And just to think, you know, I would never say the things to myself. I would never say to my kid the things that I say to myself. So why do I say that to myself? Um, I would never say that to my my mother, my grandmother. Why would I say that to me? Uh, what would I? What could I say that would be more encouraging instead? Right, right. And can we believe everything we tell ourselves? Let me go back to that that childhood that you was talking about, right? Right. You know, our environment. So we're not just recovering from drugs or, or, or addictive behaviors. Is it safe to say we also recover from our environment that we grew up in? Absolutely. 
you know, our parents were wounded. Mm-hmm. Our parents weren't perfect. This is, I don't, I don't focus a lot on blame. There are some people that do, but our parents weren't perfect. They make mistakes and their, their parents made mistakes. And, um, some parents weren't around at all for whatever reason. Um, so that's going to have an impact and we can, we can, I, I use this analogy. If you got bit by a rattlesnake, you could go beat the rattlesnake to death because it beat bit you, or you could go take care of the wound. And it's the same with our parents or, you know, our past. I can, I can hold on to resentment and beat that, beat that to death. And that poison is just going to kill me. Or I can figure out, okay, well, that happened. What can I do with the wound that I have? And how do I heal that today? Right. And some people, they, they, they continue to beat that snake. What about those people who just, you know, they're going to, they're going to die, man. They're going to die spiritually. They're going to die in their relationships. They're going to die in their health. I mean, that kind of stuff increases chances of stroke, heart attack, um, chronic illness. They're going to die. Yeah. It's it's just slowly eating them, eating at them on the inside. The people who can't forget. Wow. That's, that, that's deep, man. So we just got to continue to pray for, for those people when it comes to addiction. And things like that, man. Do you deal with a lot of people that, you know, I have different models. Like, I, you know, I'm a big believer in, you know, the 12 steps. But I'm also a recovery coach. So I'm kind of aware of different models. Do you work with people in different areas like that? I do. And, you know, I'm a fan of the 12 steps. I've watched it change people's lives profoundly. I think that even if you weren't struggling with drug addiction or sex addiction or food addiction, you could still use the 12 steps to learn more about yourself and how you show up in the world and, and do a deep and mindful search inventory of, of the things that you're struggling with. And I'm, you're not perfect. You've, you've made mistakes. You've hurt people. How can you make amends? It's a, it's a recipe for having to live a peaceful life. So yeah, it, it works really well for lots of people. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It most definitely worked. Like I said, it changed me from the inside out. Um, you also wrote a book. Uh, what's the name of your book? My other studio album. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. What about the one a year in self love? Can you touch sure. a little bit on that one? So that's 365 quotes, exercises meditation things that you can do so every day for a year you just read the little thing it will literally take you less than a minute um and then you try to practice that throughout that day or you reflect on that for that day and hopefully by the end of a year you will have been able to connect with your light and your gifts and your talents and and show up a little bit more in the world the way you want to Idea. What about the other two books you had written? So the first book I wrote was Finding Peace. It's a workbook, and it really goes, uh, it's a fictional story about eight people who come to group every week, and they learn about the principles that I'm talking to you about. And then at the end of each group, they're, they're, then you as the reader get the same homework assignment. So you're able to you're able to do the same homework 
And then the next week they come back and they talk about it and they process it. So it's almost as if you are like the ninth member of this group of people who are doing this um, group together. And it really is the model that I use to help people find greater peace and joy and love in their life. Yeah, I always said there's nothing like a peace of mind, you know. That, that's, that's really what, if I get honest with you, sure, that's all I really want, a peace of mind. Uh, right. What are some of the tools that, 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 you, that you help people use to find a peace of mind? Because that's a big thing, anxiety, and, you know, depression and things like that. One of the, the way that we heal attachment wounds is through connection. And you know, uh, that's one of the beauties of the 12-step program. People go in, they're scared to death. They feel like they are, you know, horrible humans, that they've messed up their life. They go into a room for the first time. They tell people about them. And at the end, they people give them their phone number. And they say, give me a call, right? Uh, yeah. and, and, and all of a sudden, you're looking around the room and you see these people and you're like, wow, y'all are not as messed up as you're all not messed up. Maybe I'm not as messed up as I thought I was. And the, the beauty of that connection is part of what helps heal us. So whether you go to a 12-step group or not, you know, there's a lot of places online now, thanks to COVID, we've learned how to do some of this via tel- in, uh, in the internet. But mm-hmm. connecting with other people, finding ways to connect with other people and being real with them, I, I have a I have a client whose wife has started a pottery class, and that has been so fulfilling for her as she's met some other people and learned how to do something new, and that's been healing. It's all about the connection, right? Well, with other people, yeah, yeah, that is a part of the twelve step fellowship. And uh, you actually, and that's why I laugh. You actually explain what happened to me when I was in New York. I was I was scared, man. And the older member came over there and said, come sit over here, over here. Yeah. With me, because I remember addiction is a very lonely disease. We isolate. Oh, so much. We isolate a lot. Man. Oh, wow, man. How can people connect with you, Troy? The ones who want to reach out. Yeah. I, yeah. I so you can go to findingpeaceconsulting.com. If you go there, there's a free five day finding peace challenge. If you sign up for that every day for five days, I'll give you a little piece of the finding peace model. Won't take very much of your day. And then you work on that. And then the next day you'll get the next video. Uh, That's probably the fastest way to find me, finding peace consulting. Good deal. So you consult and you coach also? Uh, Yes, I'm a therapist and a coach. Mostly I, I, I do therapy in Arizona, but I also do some live live classes for relationships and overcoming sex addiction and those kind of things. Wow, man, it's been a pleasure to have you on, Troy. I really appreciate you coming out, man, and blessing us all, man, and all. And we got to most definitely stay connected, all right? I would love that, Vernon. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. Thanks, Troy. I appreciate you, buddy. Have a good one. You too.